0: This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. Well, open your Bibles to First Peter uh, this morning. If you are new today, we are walking through the letter of First Peter together. The series is called "Living Hope," um, and today we're talking about hope and the good life. Uh, when people think about the good life in our culture, usually what they're thinking about is materialism or maybe self-indulgence, but that is never going to ultimately satisfy. God's word gives us a prescription for the good life, and it's a good life that's real, and it's a good life that really does fulfill. We're going to talk about it today. 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 12. I'm going to invite you to stand as we look at God's word together. 1 Peter 3, and let's look at verses 8 through 12. The Bible says, finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic, love one another, and be compassionate and humble. Not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing, since you were called for this, so that you may inherit a blessing. For the one who wants to love life and to see good days, Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit, and let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. You can be seated. Father we, we come before you now, and we, we pray that, as we get ready to to study your word together, we ask that that you would would help us to concentrate uh, the, these are These are moments that are, are full of possibilities whenever there are open Bibles and open hearts, there are just so many good things that can happen, and we pray that you would would help us to to, to focus we pray that you would uh, just we know the enemy would love to distract us. Uh, we, we pray that, uh, that you would, would, would prevent that from happening and that we would be ready, ready to, en- ready to engage, ready, ready to hear what you have for us right now through your word and the power of your spirit. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, back in the, the 1970s, one of the most popular sitcoms on TV was the show Happy Days. And some of you remember the, the Cunninghams and, uh, and Fonzie and the, and, and the gang. Happy Days was a nostalgic look at a group, at a family and a group of friends in 1950s Milwaukee. Now, if you think about it, it's not surprising that a sitcom about the 50s would be popular in the mid-70s. Because our nation had just come through the Vietnam War, through Watergate, there had been an energy crisis and gas lines, and Americans were yearning for the good old days. We tend to be nostalgic about the past. Sometimes we even tend to romanticize the past. But the Bible tells us How the good old days can be these days. In the passage that we just read in in verse 10, what do we see there? The Bible says, for the one who wants to love life and see good days. That is an invitation to you and to me to experience a life that you will love now. To experience good days now. In fact, verses 10 through 12 here, you may notice in your Bible that it's sort of set off from the rest. That's because Peter is quoting from the Old Testament, and he's quoting from the 34th Psalm. And in Psalm 34 and verse eight, the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him? The happy days The good old days can be these days. And God's word tells us how. So, what do we see here in this text about the good life? First of all, Peter tells us about relationships and the good life. Relationships in the good life. If you want to take uh, notes, uh, they're provided on the back of your bulletin if you want to follow along and and fill in the blanks. But the first thing that he's talking about here is relationships. And he begins to, to do that in verse 8. <clears throat> he gives us five words here about relationships. And he's talking here especially about relationships within the church family. He says, finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic, love one another, and be compassionate and humble. So five five commands there, five words that describe the, the way that relationships should be within the family of God. Let's look at them one by one. First of all, he says, be like-minded. Be like-minded. This doesn't mean that we're robots or that we're going to you know, agree on, on absolutely everything. But what it does mean is that we agree on the biggest thing. We, we agree on, on, our, on our mission which right? we've got this huge mission to touch the world with the gospel, to make disciples who make disciples, to win people to Christ, to develop them to maturity. It means that we, we put aside lesser things and maybe differences on lesser things so that we come together on the big thing. My favorite movie of all time is, is Casablanca. And one of the reasons I love that, that film is, is because it, it, it shows the very thing that I'm talking about. It shows two people, um, Rick and and uh, and Elsa, Elsa uh, played by Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman, uh, who have this incredible love for one another, but yet they they're willing to, to to sacrifice the opportunity to be together because something higher is at stake. They put aside their their personal agenda for something bigger, something higher because there was a war to win and Nazism was endangering the world. And so they, 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 they sacrifice their own kind of private agenda for something so much larger. That's what we're called to do in the church family. It means that we kind of put aside you know, lesser issues so that the gospel really is above all, so that the mission is above all, and we come together on that. Be like-minded. Philippians chapter two and verse two says, Paul says, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. That purpose is the advance of the gospel. So he says, be like-minded. Second, be sympathetic. Be sympathetic. Now, last week, we we looked at verse uh, seven, and Paul there was, was talking, uh, Peter, Peter was talking there about husbands living with our wives in an understanding kind of a, of a way, uh, a considerate, sympathetic uh, kind of, of, of way. But Matt, now he's talking to the, the entire church family and he's saying that all of you as a, as a church family should be sympathetic with, with one another. Paul says in Romans 12 and verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. In other words, in the church family, we we enter into the experience of our brothers and sisters. Listen, I see our church doing this in beautiful ways on a regular basis. On a regular basis, I, I see you guys rejoicing with those who rejoice, if the birth of a, a baby or someone getting baptized or something good ha- happening in someone's lives and I see that. I see you rejoicing with your brothers and sisters in those things, but I also see you weeping with your brothers and sisters when, when there's grief, the, the, the loss of a, of a loved one, a, a crisis. I regularly see people in this church family as recently as the last 24 hours entering into the pain of brothers and sisters, and weeping with those who weep. Be sympathetic. Third, love one another. Peter, Peter, Peter is writing here to believers in the Roman province of Asia, which is now Turkey, who were being persecuted for their faith. They were under so much pressure from the outside, from those who were not believers, he is saying here, that makes it all the more important that within the church family, we need to be together. And so, in chapter two, and verse 17, he says, love the brothers and sisters. Jesus says in John 13, 35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Fourth, be compassionate. That this flows from the compassion that God has shown us in the gospel. Paul says in Ephesians 4 and verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. In other words, when we have trouble forgiving a brother or sister, we need to remember how much we've been forgiven (laughs) When we have trouble extending grace to our brother and sisters, we need to remember how much grace has been extended to us as undeserving sinners. We take everything back to the gospel, and we remember how God has treated us, how much we have been forgiven of our sins in, in Christ, so that we can be compassionate with others. Fifth, be humble. Be humble towards one another. Later in chapter five and, and verse five, uh, Peter is going to say, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. In all of our interactions with one another in the church, we're to have a spirit of humility and, and, and gentleness. Um, and we, we approach one another in in, in a humble way. That doesn't mean that we don't have hard conversations with one another when we need to. But it means that when we do that, that we do that with a spirit of humility and, 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 and gentleness. Now, all these things, these five words are for our interactions with, within the family of God. It's how we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. In verse 9... He's talking about how we are to relate to those who are outside and maybe especially those who don't like us. He says in verse 9, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. Now remember who Peter is writing to. He's writing to these persecuted Christians who were regularly maligned and insulted for their faith, but he says to them instead of responding to these enemies in kind respond to them in kindness because this is what makes Christians stand out you know Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount if you love those who love you how are you any different from the rest of the world everybody loves those who love them what should make believers stand out is that we love those who do not love us the way that Jesus loved us when we didn't love him, right? When we were still his enemies, when we were still in rebellion against him, he loved us, he laid down his life for us. And we're called to that kind of love for enemies. Relationships and the good life, relationships inside the church, relationships outside the church, second, Your tongue and the good life. Your tongue and the good life. What does he say here in verse 10? He says, for the one who wants to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. So the last part of verse 10 there is sort of a, a, it's a specific command about how we're not to use our tongue, namely that we're not to use it to deceive to lie. But the, but the phrase before that is all-encompassing. He says, let him keep his tongue from evil. That means all forms of sinful speech, not just lying. It means gossip, murmuring, slander, backbiting, breaching confidentiality, you know, any kind of destructive ways that we could use our, our, our tongues, he says, it's, it's out of bounds. Now, I used to take my car to a, a certain place when we, we, lived, we lived somewhere else, but, but um, I would take my car in for service. And you know, I, I was just there to get an oil change and just to get kind of basic fluids look, looked at and so forth. But at this particular place, they, they wanted to always give me a filter. And so I give him the car, hey, I just want an oil change, and the guy would come back in, hey, Mr. Hayes, we think you need this, this cabin filter, you know, or uh, you, know, we, you need this, it was, always, it was always some kind of a filter. They always come back, hey, we really think you need the filter, uh, I just need an oil change. You know, how, how about thinking about that filter? When it comes to our tongue, we need a filter. <laughs> we all need a filter. And, and, and the Bible tells us about that. Psalm 141 and verse three says, Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. <laughs> Keep watch at the door of my lips. We need a filter on our tongue. Ephesians 429 tells us more about what that filter looks like. It says, no foul language should come from your mouth now when when he says foul language here he is not just talking about obscenity the the greek word here has the 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 idea of corruption so i mean it would include obscenity but it's much larger than that it's talking about all forms of sinful speech right any kind of speech that would tear down he says it should not come from your mouth But only what? But only what is good for building up someone. So here's the filter. Build up or shut up when it comes to your tongue, right? If it doesn't build up, we don't say it, right? There's the filter. Build up or shut up. Your tongue and the good life. Third, repentance and the good life. Verse 11 he says, let him turn away from evil, right? For the one who wants to love life and see good days, let him turn away from evil. Now, to, to, to turn means to repent. When you hear that word repent, it's just a Bible word that means to turn. When I, when I, when I used to, to skateboard Uh, One of the things we would do, we would really get going fast in one direction and we'd put our our weight on our back foot and we would pivot and turn and go in the opposite direction. That's a 180. Repentance is a 180. It means that we turn from sin and self and we turn toward God and his ways. It means that we turn from going our own direction, our own way, being the king of our own life and we do a 180 and we turn toward Jesus as our king. The Bible says if you want to love life, if you want to see good days, then, 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 then turn away from evil and, and do what is good. Now, repentance is a part of becoming a Christian, certainly, right, and becoming a Christian, right, we turn from pursuing life in our own way and we turn to Jesus. And trust Him. That's part of becoming a Christian, but it also should be a daily part of our lives as Christians, because we're still sinners and we still regularly blow it. And so, repentance should be like a a daily part of our life. Daily, you know, renouncing what is what is evil and turning to the Lord. Right, confessing our sins, repenting. It's a daily part of our lives as Christians: repentance and the good life. Fourth, peace and the good life. Peace and the good life. Verse eleven again it says, "If you want to love life and see good days, then what?" Verse eleven: Let him seek peace and pursue it. So, one of the things that 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 prevents us from living the good life is relational strife. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) strife in relationships does not equal the good life it doesn't happy days are not found there and and so the bible calls us to to pursue peace to be people who pursue peace with with other people hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 says to pursue peace with everyone right everyone now, you say, but, but you don't know <laughs> this person. <laughs> you, you don't know how they are. Well, there, there's only so much you can control, but what does the Bible say? Romans, Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. It says, if poss- possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. No, we can't control the reactions of other people. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If there's a relational problem, then, then pursue peace in that. You know, Go to that person. Go to them one-on-one in, in a spirit of, of humility and love. Do everything that you can to make it right. And if they refuse to do that, at least you will have the peace of knowing that before the Lord, you, know, you, you, have, you have done everything that you could to live it, at peace with that person, and, and not only do, do we want to be at peace with people in our own lives, but when we see other people in our lives that are contending with one another, then we need to do what we can to, to help them make peace. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount um, in Matthew, Matthew, Matthew 5 and verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peace and the good life. Fifth, God's blessing and the good life. God's blessing and the good life. Let's look at verse 12. Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. Above all, if you wanna love life and see good days, you need the blessing and favor of Almighty God. And verse 12 is, is telling us about how we can have that. It says that the eyes of the Lord are, are, are on the righteous, right? He is protecting us. His ears are open to their prayer. He longs to hear from you, longs to bless you. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, right? They're, 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 just, they're, they're people who are just putting themselves in the position that they cannot receive God's blessing, Second Chronicles sixteen and verse nine says, "For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show Himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to Him." I love that verse. The eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show Himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to Him. God is looking for people that He can bless. one time our family was at Disney, kids were smaller. And, um, and so we, we had, and back, back in the old days at Disney, you had things called fast passes. And, um, and they, were, they were fast passes, they, they were just like, you know, they were, they were gold. Uh, now you have sort of a, a bracelet that you wear and, and so it's all electronic and you know, and that's your fast passes are kind of like on your wrist. But in the old days, the fast passes at Disney were pieces of paper. That would literally save you hours of waiting in line. I mean fast passes were a game changer for families at Disney. Well, on this particular trip the the hotel that we were staying in had, had made had made a mistake, and so they, they, went, they went overboard and they just, they inundated us with fast passes. <laughs> they just wanted, I mean, they just, they just loaded us up with, with even more fast passes than what we could possibly even use. And so on the last day at Disney, we, 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 had, we had gone on every ride until we just couldn't ride anymore and it was time to go and we still had a bunch of fast passes that were left. And so we said, hey, why don't we try to bless some other people? And so the, the girls were small at, at this time but they were big enough to kinda understand what was going on and it would be a good experience for them. So I got the girls, I said girls, let, let's go and let's let's bless some other families. So we have these fast pass, five fast passes, a bunch of them, sets of five. And so we we sort of developed a profile of the of the people that we wanted to bless. So we had five fast passes for each ride. So we were looking for groups of five. And then uh, second, we were we were looking for Uh, the rides that had the longest wait time so it could make the biggest difference for people. And then we were looking, maybe not just for groups of five, we were looking looking especially for those beleaguered parents (laughs) with three kids. (laughs) Three little kids that had just been waiting in the heat (laughs) and they looked like they were about to drop. We wanted to bless especially them. And so we went off in search of people to bless. And our eyes are scanning the crowds and we're trying to find you know, these, these families that we wanted to, to, to bless. We had a profile of them. You know, The Bible says that, that God, God has a profile of, of, of those he blesses. And we we see it here in verses 10 through 12. It says, if you you want a life that you will love, if you want to see good days, there's a profile in that. There's a life that God blesses. And his eyes are roaming throughout the earth to do that. He longs to bless those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. You should have seen the reactions of people at Disney. (laughs) Disney. Let me tell you, this was an experience. There were some people who 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 we we would give them we would offer them the fast pass. They would almost cry. Some of these parents would would would, would almost cry. To, like, you're you're what you're giving you're giving us this? Like we had just literally changed the course of their whole day. It was it was, it was beautiful. There were other people who were who were so. So blown away that they couldn't—they couldn't even immediately accept what was happening. There, there were dads who re- repeated back to me, "You're giving me these. <laughs> You're giving me these." One guy even pulled me aside and said, "What's the catch? <laughs> <You know? laughs> He's, he, Where's the fine print?" And all, no, 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 catch, no fine print. No, this is this is. This is a a, a gift for you. We're not wired to understand grace in our culture, are we? Christianity is based on grace. Romans chapter six and verse 23. the uh, The Bible says there that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If we got what we deserved, that's death. And it doesn't just mean like physical death, it means like eternal separation from God. That's, that would be what we deserve. We're all sinners. But instead of giving us what we have earned, God gave his son. He gave us Jesus who had no sin of his own but on the cross took our sins Upon himself and was raised from the dead so that we can experience life and it is offered to us as a free gift. But it's like any gift. In order to become yours, what do you have to do? Receive it. How do we receive this free gift of eternal life? By simply turning to Jesus, turning from our own way, turning to Jesus, saying, Lord, I believe. I I, I believe you died for sinners like me. I believe you rose from the dead. I'm turning to you, and I'm trusting in you as my king. I'm taking my hands off of the controls of my life and I'm yielding them to you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the invitation to the good life. We thank you for the invitation to you to enter into abundant life and to enter into eternal life through your son. Father, you know where each person is in in this room. You know all of our hearts. And we pray that you would would work in hearts right now. If there's anyone here that doesn't yet know you, Lord, would you work in their heart to turn to Jesus and to trust him. Lord, would you work in, in all of our hearts that we would enter into a life that you can bless and that we would understand that the good days can be these days. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen.